Abba Yahweh, that you would bless this sharing of your word, your truth, to the brothers and sisters, for your glory, for their edification, exhortation, for building us up, Father God, that it is your truth, your word, your way, the glory of you, Father, Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son, Yahweh, Aman, Yeshua, Aman, Paraklitos, Aman. Brothers and sisters, I know it's the day after Mother's Day, and uh, at my home church was a really great message, and it was regarding mothers, and you wonder, how does that come out of the gospel of Jesus Christ? But it's there. And I'm going to share with you some things here. I'm going to go back into the book of Genesis, and we're going to talk about Sarai. Now, you have to remember that Abram, after God changed his name to Abraham, and his wife was Sarai, S-A-R-A-I, and that was changed to Sarah. Sarah had kind of an issue because she was beyond childbearing age, even for that time, and people lived to be quite old. And she took it upon herself because she felt she was too old and Abram was too old. So she forgot, though, that the covenant that God had made with Abram. In chapter 12, we read in verse 2 and 3, And I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make my name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So this was covenant and an agreement that he made with Abram. But Sarah took it upon herself to kind of, her faith was lacking, shall we say. And um, she didn't have personal conversations with God until that day that she was outside or inside the tent when Abram was talking to God and the angels and God actually heard her laughing because she thought she was too old and he was too old, but she also was confronted and she denied the fact that she laughed, but she did and God told her so. But the point that I'm getting at is with mothers. She attempted to do what God had intended to do not necessarily of a of a wickedness or an evil heart, but she just did not magnify the Lord. And do we not do that so many times? We think that something is too big for God or that God maybe meant something else. Understand this and understand it full well. If God meant to say something different than what he puts in the Bible and different than what he said he would also clarify that and say it that way. God says what he says, and he means what he says. He told Abram that he would multiply his seed and that Sarah would be able to bear a child, but Sarah didn't believe that. She lacked faith in that point. So she sent in a handmaiden that she had, whose name was Hagar. And Hagar was bringing up her son under Abram's roof. 
And here later on, we see in chapter 21, and the Lord visited Sarah as he said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. So Sarah kind of, she went out of her purview, shall we say, and that she sent Hagar in because she doubted. She didn't do it out of malice or meanness, but then she became jealous and she became agitated and she begged that Abraham would send Hagar away because Hagar did bear a son. So Hagar was sent. Abraham gave her water and gave her some sustenance so that she would go, but she had to leave. And she wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And they used up the water. And she put her baby under a bushel because it was the heat of the day. And she went and sat off a distance because she didn't want to hear her child in his angst. And is that not the mother's... I mean, that's in the mother's heart. They they know that something's wrong, but they can't bear it. And they can't, they know that they want to be there. But she was so distraught and she was so upset. She couldn't even hear her child's crying. It hurt her so much in her heart, in her mother's heart. So she sat over a distance because she couldn't deal with it. And she cried. And she cried bitterly because she didn't want to see this happen. But it says here in Genesis 21, verse 17, And God heard the voice of the lad, and he sent an angel, and the angel called to Hagar, and said unto her, What aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad, and where he is. Rise, lift up the lad, hold him in thy hand, for I will make him a great nation. And God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the bottle with water and gave lad to drink. God heard the cry of the child. He heard Hagar's angst in that. But understand this too, that Ishmael was the seed of Abraham. God made a covenant with Abraham and he would honor that. And he knew that these things were not done out of maliciousness or out of, uh, it was was a lack of understanding on Sarah's part. So she sent in Hagar. Hagar was just kind of that uh, in the middle of everything. But because of God's covenant and his promise, He honored that child as well. And Ishmael would also be a leader of a great nation and that his seed would be multiplied as well. God's promises are real. God's promises are true. When he makes a promise, and as we see there, I shared that verse that he came to Sarah as he told Abraham he would, And 
he gave her a child as he said he would. She just had doubt. The next mom thing I want to share with you, brothers and sisters, is out of the book of Ruth. Now, I'm going to, as kind of a a crosswise of of an old saying, assume everything, assume nothing. So, brothers and sisters, I don't want to assume that everybody knows all the books of the Bible and knows all the stories, and I don't want to assume that there nobody does. So I just share with everyone, and remember, this is for exhortation and uplifting and, and something that we can share and we can all learn from. This is nothing to put anyone down, so don't be offended by that, please. And if you are, well... Put the shoe on and wear it, as the old saying goes as well. But it's not meant for offense, and don't allow little things to interfere. Um, This is something, and some people kind of skip over short books, and some people skip over the books that the women wrote, like the book of Esther and the book of Ruth, because they were written by the women, and some people think that these are not of import, however it is. And this particular tale... The story of Ruth and Naomi is very important, and you will understand why when I share more. So, in the story, Naomi had left with her husband and her daughters, or her sons, rather, and they went into the land of Moab, outside of Israel, and she had heard that, you know, and you have to understand that there were there was a famine, there was drought, there were things that were going on, but they had left, they went to Moab because they had heard that, uh, that the Lord had visited people in Moab, and those children of Israel and, and that had gone and, and that he had given them bread and sustenance and, and so they, they went. But in the course of that time, why they were there, that she had lost her husband and two sons that had married women, and Ruth being one of her daughters-in-law, and Naomi had felt very poorly, and that they had gone, and and that... Uh, because Naomi had felt that the Lord had turned against her and and allowed these things to happen. And she said that she was going to go back. And she had told her two daughters-in-law that she was going to go and that she had wanted them to stay with their own people and that she would pray that God would deal kindly with them and because they had dealt kindly with her and stayed with her and helped her and, and done these good things as, as the daughters-in-law should do. And she appreciated that. She wanted to bless them and she prayed that they would, they would stay with their own people and that they would be happy and God would be kind to them. But they wept and it was saddened for them for them to leave Naomi. But she just told them that 
the hand of the Lord had come out against her because all these things happened, and that's what she was feeling in her heart. Not that it was true, but that's what she was feeling in her heart. God understands that. God knows these things. He knows how our hearts feel, and he doesn't fault us for these things. We have to understand, and we do the same thing now. <clears throat> that, But we also have to understand that God will allow certain things in order to strengthen us. Because remember, brothers and sisters, in our weakness is his strength. And he will show and share that with us during that time of weakness. Ruth told Naomi that she was going to go with her and not leave her. In Ruth chapter 1, and we're going to start uh, in verse 14 where she is sending the daughter-in-laws back. And they lifted up their voice and wept again, and Oprah kissed her mother-in-law, but said, and she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back into her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, nor to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. <clears throat> Ruth was telling Naomi that it didn't matter where she went. She was not going to leave her that instead she would stay with her always and that God, our sovereign God, would be her God. And she said, where thou diest, I will die. And there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also of aught but death part thee in me. Ruth was making a covenant with Naomi and with God. You have to understand there's a three-way covenant being made here because she said that she would take God and she was saying out loud to Naomi, but God was hearing this. If anything should happen and I part from you before we die and I do it just to leave or forsake you, that God would deal harshly with me. And Naomi saw what she was doing and that she was hard set on going. And Naomi finished trying to convince her otherwise. She stopped trying to convince her. So they too, starting up in 119, so they too went until they came to Bethlehem. Interesting. This is very interesting. You'll see why. And they came to Bethlehem, and it came to pass that when they were to Bethlehem, that all the city was moved about them. And they said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara. Now, Naomi is pleasantry or a pleasant thing. And Mara is a word that is used for bitter or bitterness. And she said, and she said unto them, call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty had dealt very bitterly with me. Still her heart was very grievous, lost her, lost her sons, lost her husband. And I went out full and the Lord had brought me home again empty. Why then call me Naomi, seeing the Lord had testified against me and the Almighty hath afflicted me. 
So Naomi returned, and Ruth, the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, and turned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of a barley harvest. Uh, this is interesting, and you have to understand why my interest is peaked every time I read through this and find Bethlehem. And so Ruth, what she did is she went out to the fields and she was going to glean from whatever people were harvesting and cutting and what was left over or fell to the ground that they didn't bother to pick up. She would collect it. And she told Naomi that she was going to do this and that she would go out and do these things. And she was taking care of Naomi. She was staying with her. She was making sure that she was fed and having food. Now, Naomi, she had a kinsman that was there in the area as well. And that uh, in the family of Limelech, who was very wealthy, a lot of land, and that her kinsman was Boaz. And he had land and he had fields and that Ruth should go to those places and stay there and collect and be able to take care of the both of them. And that it would be safer for her. She was concerned with Ruth's safety. You have to understand, brothers and sisters, that people talk now about how the Bible's not relevant, needs to be updated and all this thing. There were hazards then. There were people that were not good then. There were people that would do not nice things then, as there are now. I mean, Jesus spoke about the road from Jerusalem to Jericho and that it was uh, fraught with danger. I mean, this is where the parable of the Good Samaritan that he taught came. So there were things that were not good going on, but she told... Ruth, that if she stayed in those fields, that it would be okay. And that she could get things and she would be safe. And Boaz happened one day that he came to see his fields. And to speak with them. And they came and he blessed them and they said, And the Lord bless you. And then he asked them, who was this woman that was there? Who's, whose damsel is this that comes? And they told her that she came with Naomi out of Moab. Of course, Boaz knew who Naomi was. That was his kinsman, kinswoman. And so when he came and he spoke to her and she said, I pray that you let me glean gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning and stayed until the evening. And he told her that she could stay in his fields and stay close to his people. And he also told the young men that they were not to bother her at all. And as we go down in verse 9, let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art thirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. 
So he charged his young men that were out there doing work for him that they were not to bother her. They were going to get her water and allow her to stay in the fields and to gather what she could. In verse 10, then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? Boaz answered and said unto her, it hath fully been shown me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy nativity and art come unto a people which thou knowest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work and shall full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. Then she said, let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for thou hast comforted me and for thou that hast spoken friendly unto thy handmaid, though I be not like unto of thine handmaidens. So the Lord showed Boaz who Ruth was or and that not of her, but what she had done out of the kindness of her heart, it was also revealed that she had spoken to take God as her God. And this is so important that God took care of her. But here's the important part, and here's why it's important and of Bethlehem. So we're going to skip ahead a little bit here, and we're going to go to uh, Ruth 4, 17. And we know that Ruth was taken to be the wife of Boaz. Well, let's back up to verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception. She bare a son. And the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. This child that Ruth bore under their relationship blessed not only herself in taking God as her God and taking on the faith of her mother-in-law, but she stayed and she blessed Naomi. And this is, this is so profound. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse to it. So she became the nursemaid to this child that Ruth had. She didn't have any from the other children because they died. But here she's now been blessed with this grandchild from her daughter-in-law that has taken on the faith of her God. And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez begat Herzon, and Herzon begat Rim, and begat Ram, and Ram begat Amandab, and Amandab begat Nashon, and Nashon begat Shalom, 
And Shalom begat Boaz, and Boaz begat Obed. And Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David. Are we understanding and seeing this now, brothers and sisters? Ruth is in the line of David from the tribe of Judah. We have to remember this story. And where is it that our Lord comes from? His earthly line is that of David. And this is the import. This is what I'm pointing out, brothers and sisters. They came to Bethlehem. Ruth had a child, Obed. Obed's son was Jesse. Jesse's son was David and the lineage of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. This is so profound, brothers and sisters. I find it to be so. This is something that our God, we see things that are so done with so profound amount of love for us, but sometimes we don't see it right away. And in the book of Psalms that David wrote <clears throat> in these things, worshiping and crying out to God, there is also prophecy of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Psalm 69, 21, this is talking about Jesus Christ when he was on the cross. They gave me a gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. And remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross, and he said, I thirst. And what did they do in mocking him? They took a staff with a hyssop on it and they dipped it in vinegar and they put it to his lips. Wow. I mean, this is just so many things. Also, we have, when we look over to the book of prophecy, also, in Isaiah chapter 7, 13, and he said, Hear ye now, o house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will ye weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. And then if we go over to Matthew 1 and 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. I bring these things up from the Old Testament 
to show the relevance, the continuance, and the context that all through the Bible, everything that God does, everything that God says is relevant. So those that speak of the irrelevance of the Bible, we are talking hundreds of years. In the book of Psalms, when they were talking about that, we're talking about, oh, even in the book of Isaiah, we're talking nearly 700 years before Jesus Christ was born and taken and grew and then was taken and crucified. We're talking a long time, brothers and sisters. So relevance? Yes, there is relevance. Everything that is in this book is relevant and has context from the Old Testament to the New Testament. So brothers and sisters, I tell you that it's all relevant. And the thing here that I'm going to share here too is in the book of John, when we have these things that are going on and we remember in chapter two, pardon me, John writes of the wedding. Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And you have to understand that there's many places in the Bible that were kind of left with this wondering of, well, what were they doing when they were walking around? It wasn't that Jesus just meditated and went out and taught them and left them and walked out on his own. And Jesus Christ was a person of people. He mingled with people. That is, That was one of the things that was so profound about Jesus that he reached out to everyone. He, he liked being around people, children and people. And so he was invited to this marriage ceremony. And Mary was there, Jesus' mother, because the mother was her friend. So Jesus came and was with his disciples there. And this is the other mother thing that I'm going to talk about and finish up with Mary, the mother of our Lord Jesus Christ. So at the wedding, they had run out of wine. And they were trying to work on a budget, as many of us can understand that, and the relevance to that. And so there was concern. And Mary came to her son. And Jesus responded to her. He said, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Jesus was not ready to start performing the miracles. And this was the first miracle that Jesus did. It was rumored that he had done a miracle. Wasn't quite sure until the word spread around heavily that what had happened. And he was trying to explain to his mother that it wasn't yet time, that that it wasn't covered. But here's the point that I'm making with, with moms. Moms have this look. They have this look. They can either let you know simply by a look that they're upset or they have this look that they can give you that 
Oh, son, please. And not even say a word, but just that look. Do you not think that she had that look? She's a mother. And because of Jesus' intense compassion and love for everyone, but especially for the woman that bore our Savior, this woman, Mary, was his mother. She gave him that look. Then she simply said to the servants, do everything he tells you to do. And he did this because of the compassion in his heart for his mother. And he did this thing and he turned the water into wine, but not simply wine, but the best. And as the wedding chief as the ceremony chief said, as he toasted this, he said that, oh my gosh, he said, normally the best is served first and then everyone gets the cheap stuff and they're so drunk that they don't even pay attention. Yet when they tasted of the wine that Jesus had made out of water, it was the best. It was better than anything they had had to that point. I, in my heart, this was done out of compassion for his mom, his Emma. Abba, dad, Abba, father, Emma, mom, Emma, mother. He did this for Emma. He did this because she gave him that look. And he knew the love that she had for him and he had for her. And he honored her. He honored his mother. There are other stories of Mary when they were getting ready to go back home and they had lost him. He was 12 years old. So confused and confounded, they couldn't find him anywhere. He was in the temple teaching from the word. And when he was brought to them, she scolded him. He was her son after all. And he got a little scolding and he just told them that he had to be about his father's business. And that was okay. But he was also under their charge and when they returned home that they didn't have to deal with any of that anymore. He was under their charge. They were taking care of him while he was here. He was entrusted to them by God, our sovereign Lord, and Jesus' only, his only begotten son. He charged with them, them with a great responsibility. And they took that. And there is another tale that we have when Jesus fed the 5,000. So I'm going to share something, a little motherly thing there that was pointed out at our at our service, which I thought was very profound. But here's something I want to point out too. And this is not to be correcting. This is just, um, this is just out of ignorance. And that's okay because people don't know everything, even those that, that are teaching. Um, they don't know everything. Sometimes they like to think they do, as the Pharisees thought that they knew everything, but it was pointed out to them they did not. <laughs> um, so 
when they talk about the feeding of the multitude and the 5,000, you have to understand that in that time, in that culture, there were, they didn't count the entire heads of the house. They counted the men because those were the heads of the house. So that number was 5,000 because that's the way they did it. But you have to understand also that 99.9% of the males, when they counted things, they were married. And a great deal of those families had anywhere from two to four children. And on average, they had four children. That was just at that cultural relevance thing. So now if you start doing multiplication of what Jesus Christ, that thing that he did, he fed a stadium, a modern football stadium, a modern college football stadium full of people. And how did he do that? With the lunch of a small boy. Did that boy come by himself? No, he was probably there with his mother and father, his brothers and sisters, listening to the teaching of Jesus Christ. And did they just go up and take this kid's lunch and said, Jesus wants your lunch? He was probably, possibly, I'm pondering this, that he was with his mother and father. And they came and said, we're looking for food to eat. And, and the Lord asked that, we can do this. And the mother probably not knowing what she was feeling. I'm just, I'm guessing this now, but she probably nudged her, her son to go and give the disciples his lunch and wondering how this was going to take place. But yes, yes, go and give it to them. And he took this. But also we have to remember this, brothers and sisters, that blessings come in the breaking. Sometimes things that we have or are doing must be broken to be blessed. But this child that came with his mother and father to hear our Lord Jesus Christ teaching, and he took that lunch that little boy brought that he was going to share with his brothers and sisters, he took that lunch, and he broke the bread and blessed it. And he broke the fish and he blessed them. And they were able to feed the entire multitude, the entire stadium filled with people. And they collected more leftover. Twelve baskets of leftover did they collect and bring back from the lunch of a child that was urged by his mother to share with our Lord Jesus Christ the son of Mary, who then followed him in his teaching. She was with him at the wedding and there were other places. And then this, this broken hearted woman knelt at the cross watching her son be crucified. And the sword that pierced her heart at the death of her son on that cross. So, 
mothers are so important and bringing up their children in the way that they should walk. Mothers have a profound, profound influence on their children. And many times, especially in these days that we are in now, much as it was then, the fathers were out working or doing whatever they were doing. And the mothers were the ones with the children. And sometimes because the fathers didn't come from work until late. And so moms were the ones there. And the children are influenced by their mother. And moms, it's important to speak truth to the children always. And that we look and honor our mothers. And one of the things that we are told is that we are to honor our fathers and our mothers. And we honor them by doing what they ask us to do. We honor them by not bringing embarrassment to them, by being caught up in all these things that many young people are now getting caught up involved with. Honor thy mother and father. And mothers honor God by bringing up the children in the way that they should walk. I pray for your strength. I pray for your uprightness. I pray for your courage. And brothers and sisters, I love you all. I pray for your uprightness, your strength, and your courage to be not afraid, be not dismayed. For this... God told us that we have to be. Have faith in him. He will not leave or forsake us anywhere. He doesn't just come into the midst of anything and then walk away and leave us to tumble on our own. That won't happen. God has promised us. You see that what he did with Abram, then called Abraham, He made a promise and a covenant with him, and he honored that, not only through Isaac, but also through Ishmael. And you see how God heard the cry of Hagar, the mother, who did not want to hear her son to pass, that was breaking her heart as well. And you see how Naomi, with her broken heart, she even wanted to change her name from from pleasant to bitter because she was left without her sons. And yet, Ruth coming and honoring her mother-in-law, honoring that woman and saying, I will go with you wherever you go and I will not leave you. The only thing that can separate us is death. And she took God, our sovereign Lord God, as her God, and her and the faith of Naomi in coming back as her faith. And then she bore that child, that child Obed, in the line of Judah. David, 
in the line of David is our Lord Jesus Christ. Goes all the way back to that time. The relevance, is the Bible relevant? The context, it goes all the way down the line, brothers and sisters. The truth that God writes and sends to us through this word is our instruction manual for life. And God tells us to honor our mothers and fathers. That is a good thing for us to do because it is right in his sight. I hope that I shared well with you, brothers and sisters. This is for the glory of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, for our edification, our uplifting, our encouragement. Have a blessed day, brothers and sisters. Be blessed.